In this episode, I'm going to be reading Chapter 4. Put your mind to rest. Take a deep breath through your nose. Hold it. Relax every, everything in your body while exhaling slowly. Another deep breath through the nose. Hold it. Release over every bone in your body. Feel yourself sinking into the bed and listen to the story as it unfolds. May 5, Evening, The Recruiting Office, Flint, Michigan. I, Nettie Compton, do solemnly swear in the presence of Almighty God that I will support the Constitution of the United States and maintain my country's flag, if necessary, with my life that I will obey the commands of my superior officers while in service and will defend and protect my comrades in battle to the best of my physical ability. The recruiting sergeant had scarce looked at Sarah. She stood, knees shaking, hands sweating, as she clutched the Winchester. It had been worse than facing Pa when the cow's stalls were not cleaned out right. Name? Nettie Compton. Where you from? Little town between Pontiac and Flint. My family owns a farm. You over 18? Sarah had met a young man by the name of Sam, only within the last hour, who told her another tactic. Said it worked every time. Don't rightly know, sir. My ma, she died when I was seven. There were so many of us. Pa lost count. Said I was 18. There wasn't a recruiting sergeant in a hundred miles. Sam had said, who could let somebody like that get away? Can you shoot anything with that thing? Kept my family in food the last three years. Sarah said, do you drink? Got a cough or anything? No, sir. Ever spit up blood? No, sir. The sergeant shoved the pen and paper at Sarah. She did what she could to keep her hand from shaking as she signed. There was a doctor, but only certain ones got examined. 
Sam had told her that. The ones who coughed, who looked sickly, the others were passed right on down the line. The pine knot torches glowed against the spring night, which flowed around Sarah like a sweet pillow as she held up her right hand and took the oath. She was now Nettie Compton. She stood between two lanky youths holding her Winchester while she took the oath. There were at least two dozen just sworn in, but only three or four had rifles. There were no uniforms, would be none, until they arrived in Washington, they'd been told. There were forage caps distributed, but they were baggy and made of cheap fabric. They were dark blue and had a visor. The cap was enough for Sarah. It hid her short curls. Colonel V. M. Fenton, who'd organized the Greys, now stood before them. He had a uniform, shiny and blue, complete with sword and gold buttons and gold fringe on his shoulders. Gentlemen, this is a solemn and impressive occasion. We expect you not only to adhere to your sacred oath, but to comport yourselves so you will be a pride to your regiment. I especially exhort you to strict cleanliness and temperance in both meal and drink. Sarah was hungry already. Supper at Aunt Annie's seemed hours past. She had heard that rations on the march with salt pork, hardtack and coffee. She had heard that the second Michigan would be completed when they all arrived in Fort Wayne, Detroit, that they would leave for Washington on the 6th of June. You are the first volunteer infantry regiment be formed in Michigan, Colonel Fenton was telling them. Tomorrow, the 2nd Michigan Infantry will be completed with the arrival of companies from Hudson, Battle Creek, Adrian, Niles, Constantine, East Saginaw and Kalamazoo. Tomorrow, we form up in this very spot to march. They were dismissed to go back to their homes or bed down in the armory. Sarah knew she could not go back to Aunt Annie's. She was counting on the fact that Aunt Annie would not be home this night. And by tomorrow, when they formed up with the other regiments, she would be lost in the crowd. Tomorrow, they would be given blue Union caps, the colonel had said. 
right now. She had to go inside the armory where there was hot coffee and sergeants were distributing blankets, canteens and equipment for cooking and eating. She took her place in line inside for her equipment. Men were just throwing their blankets down on the floor in the armory. Sarah staked out a corner and went to have coffee and cake being served by some town woman. Then she joined two of the youngest looking fellows as they stood around sipping their coffee and munching their cake. Heard will be reviewed by President Lincoln himself. The one called Frank said, I heard to watch out for the New York regiments. His companion answered, Seems they're Bowery boys. The one requirement they got for enlistment is that you do time in prison. He grinned at Sarah to include her in the conversation, then stuck out his hand. Daniel Hooks, he said. Sarah was sure to look him straight in the eye. She had determined she would not cower, shuffle, mumble, or do anything to cause suspicion to be cast upon her. Nettie Compton, she said. Where do you get that rifle? Frank asked. My pa's. He let me take it, Sarah answered. Heard will be issued Springfields, Daniel Hook said. But for sure, that's a beauty. Sarah sipped her coffee. It was hot and sweet. She needed it. She felt as if she'd just run a hundred mile foot race and won. They accepted her. There was no question. She was filled with a sense of elation. She just stood there sipping her coffee for a while, listening to snatches of conversation from the small groups all around her. She heard words like truth and freedom and putting down the rebellion and going off to those damned rebels. All these young men believed in the cause she decided. From the sound of it, some were taken with the very performance of preserving the union. She let her gaze roam the room. The flickering light shaded some faces, emboldening others. There was an undercurrent of talk, though almost respectful. She felt a kinship already with these two dozer souls who had come from farms and shops and schools defending what they believed in. She would do well here, she decided. She had done the right thing. Still, 
She slept fitfully that night. The floor was hard under her blanket. At one end of the room was a hearth and a glowing fire. When she did sleep, she dreamed of home. Her mother's face, Betsy's, even Ezekiel, though that part of the dream had no good feelings. When she woke in the night, she could not mind at first where she was. Around her, men snored. One was writing by the glow of a single candle. Some were whispering. The room smelled of men, their sweat, the outdoors that clung to their clothing, the hoarse smell that attached itself to some, and tobacco, even whiskey. Someone at the other end of the room had a flask, and she saw two men drinking. Against the rules, she knew, but she also knew she must cast a blind eye to such things. Some girls would have been fearful in such surroundings. Others be dazzled. Sarah was neither. At this particular moment in her life, men had no appeal for her. The only one she'd known beside hair-pulling schoolboys had been her father and her brother. Her father she hated, and he represented all men to her. Her brother she loved, the way she loved Betsy. She was fond of saying she would never wed, would never become a lovesick calf, running after some man as she'd seen her sister Betsy do. She wanted to be independent, earn her own way, be free of all bonds. Sarah turned over on the hard floor and went back to sleep. May 6, mid-morning, outside the recruiting office, Flint, Michigan. The sunlight was so bright that even the visor of the new blue union cap did not shield her eyes from it. The colonel barked orders and already the new recruits knew enough to shoulder arms. Those without guns had been issued them. Springfields. Everyone had been issued bayonets. Across the street was a crowd of women and children and older men. Almost every woman wore a red, white and blue ribbon on her bonnet. The children held the flags. Sarah saw Aunt Annie's swallowtail gentleman friend on a podium. In hand, leading his band in the star-sprangled banner. The notes drifted hauntingly on the morning air. Then, when it was over and everyone cheered, the Methodist pastor, Reverend Mr. Jocelyn, was introduced. 
One by one, the Flint Union Greys were given a copy of the New Testament. Then, some ladies from town came by with the rosettes and pinned them on the coats of the shoulders. Sarah's knees were so weak, she thought she'd faint, expecting to see Aunt Annie do the pinning. But Aunt Annie was standing near the bandstand, looking admiringly up at her swallow-tailed gentleman. Sarah stood at attention as the rosette, maybe one she had even made herself, was pinned on her. Then there was a presentation of revolvers to the officers and the ceremony was over. They were ready to march. More music as Sarah filed by, surrounded by her newfound companions, she passed Aunt Annie, who was watching from the wooded walk. Eyes ahead, Lieutenant William Turver ordered. Sarah didn't have to be taught twice. She couldn't bear to look at Aunt Annie. Anyway, she couldn't have seen her for the tears. Sadly, all good things must come to an end. So, I bid you good night. Sleep tight and don't let the bed bugs bite.